I want to talk about Jesus' vision for hospitality. And so I have a question for you. Amongst us today, there are undoubtedly some people who are absolutely keen on being hospitable with their home to others. Have a show of hands. Who loves opening up their home to others? All right. So I have a question for those of you that were bold enough to raise your hand. What is it? And I've got a mic here. So we'll just turn. This is mic number three. Um, I'm gonna, I, wanna, I, want, I want to know why. What is it about hospitality and people coming around that is so special? So who's brave enough to give us a couple of thoughts and we can move the mic around? All right. Okay. Hazel first. I like meeting new people. I like uh, having friends round, and we always have a good laugh and a good time. And you just get to know everybody, and you get to know people a lot better when you when you meet them face to face. And me and my husband, we've always done that. Um, I mean, at one time we had about twenty students staying one night. Oh, twenty! Like, like that. So we've always liked. You know, lots of people, and uh, you just get to know people. I mean, we invite strangers and everything. It's awesome. Love it. All right, Miriam, I saw your hand before. Um, well, we all have to eat. So, uh, That's true. Uh, Strong. Bring other strangers together. So, yeah, I think it's a way of breaking the ice. Awesome. Love it. Casey, did I see your hand? I see that hand. It made me walk all the way right to the back of the room. Thanks, man. That's good. Here you go. Uh, I would probably say the first reason is tradition. So how would a Singaporean Chinese background? The whole life was you would invite your family, your friends, friends of the friends into the home. So my whole upbringing was seeing 14 to 50 people every weekend in our home in Vancouver. And then here, it's just continuing that tradition. That conversation piece around good food, around good company, laughter, joy, it's just what brings such a cheerful um, heart to the home. But also, it's, it's what Jesus did. He communed, he fellowshiped, he always broke bread and his disciples. Awesome. I think there's, um, there's an aspect to hospitality which is around saving a seat for someone. Having a seat saved, whether it's in your home or in your life, whether it's uh, to drive people around, but there's, there's an element of having a saved seat for people. And I remember when I was in primary school, and saving seats was like, whew, there was a lot resting on saving a seat. You know which seat I most treasured? It was the back seat of the bus. The rebels went to the back seat of the bus, right? Any sh- who, who else joins me in the back seat of the bus? Come on. Oh, man, my people. And so every time we jumped on the bus, it was a mad dash to see who the lucky five people were to establish themselves on the back of the bus. And there was all sorts of things that happened in the, the flurry from the front of the bus to the back. And it was punching, and it was wrestling, and it was pushing. It was all of this absolute carnage to get to the treasured seat on the back of the bus. And one particular day... We were going through this, this motion of trying to get to the back of the bus, and we arrived at the back of the bus to find my best friend already sitting in the back of the bus. And he did something that had never been done before. He said, I'll put dibs on this seat. You can't sit on this seat. This seat is saved for somebody. It's like, hang on. <laughs> it's not in the rules. You can't do that. It's never been done before. What? You're saving 
the, back, the treasured prize backseat that you have to fight to the death for every week to get into, and you're saving it? Who are you saving it for? And he got a bit sheepish at this stage. We're like, is it a girl? Are you saving the backseat for a girl? He sheepishly nodded. We're like, a real girl. Like a girl with germs and, and that. You're saving the seat for a girl. To which he admitted that he was, and he was promptly evicted from his seat, along with the spared seat, because that's not how it works on the back seat of the bus. But I have the same question for you today. Who is your seat saved for? Who is your seat saved for? It might be the seat across from you when you go, oh, I can go out for a coffee with somebody. Who's, who's in the seat? Or the seat next to you in your family dinner. They have spare seats around the table. Who are those seats for? Or the seat when you go out to morning tea. Who's, who's in the seat? Or the seat when you and some friends go out for a meal. Who's, who's in the spare seat? Who are you saving a seat for that's not there yet? Or the spare seat next to you in the car when you drive somewhere and you might be able to help somebody else out. Or by serving in a ministry and there's a spare seat. Or your spare seat next to you in church. Who's destined for the spare seat next to you in church? And are you saving your spare seat for the same people that Jesus would save a spare seat for? You heard Robert read the scripture today. You notice how the story concludes? It says in verse 5, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he climbed up the tree, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. A bit of a nerve about it, Mike. Jesus, what? Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' place. Now, I too have a similar spiritual gift. It drives Linville to the point of insanity that I can actually invite myself places to people with things, and she thinks it's horrendously rude. You can't do that. I'm like, I don't mean to. It just happens. And I finally found the biblical precedent that if Jesus did it, we can all do it, right? You can invite yourself somebody else's place for dinner. You're allowed to. Jesus did it. So Jesus said, I must stay at your house today. And he, he was offering hospitality to Zacchaeus and using Zacchaeus' house to do it. I don't care what you think about Jesus. He is brilliant, right? I'm going to be hospitable to you and we'll do it at your house. And Zacchaeus is like, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, that is a great idea. Let's, let's do it. Jesus has saved a seat for a slimy, dishonest, greedy betrayer of a man, a tax collector, who everyone despised except Jesus saw something different in. When you see in people what God sees in them, you're far more unlikely to invite them into that spare seat. And Zacchaeus' response says it all. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. The, the whole exchange is utter madness. It's absolute madness. Even for back then, it was, this scenario was totally unheard of in the ancient world. And here's why. In the ancient world, you offered hospitality only to those who you could get something from in return. You offered hospitality to those who had a similar yoke. Last week we spoke about yoke, a system of beliefs. Because when you went to hang around them, everybody else went, well, they've got the same system of beliefs. It was very cultural. You offered hospitality to someone who was an equal or you wanted to become 
and equal. You offered some hospitality to someone who you wanted to call family. That's how big a deal it is. It's huge, right? And by offering the invite, you were saying, would you like to belong to my life? Would you like to belong to my life? Biblical hospitality is extending to others what God has already extended to us. And in the ancient world, there was this social game that everybody played. And the idea was that you found someone who was slightly up the social ladder, slightly better than you. It was well, more uh, wealthy or people admired more and you found them. And then you would pitch the idea about having a meal with them. And you would try and invite them or you would hope that they would invite you. And if you went, if you pulled it off, your social standing would improve. You were winning the game. Jesus has completely misunderstood the game. Poor guy. Completely missed it. He's not playing the game at all. In fact, he's playing it very, very badly. And this, Jesus, is how you lose the game. Jesus has found the most despised, dishonorable, and derelict man he could, a Jewish tax collector. A Jewish tax collector was a Jew who ripped off other Jews for the Romans. The Romans were the enemy. So Jewish tax collector was bottom of the rung. And Jesus offers him the hospitality of God. Jesus' social ranking will inevitably plummet because of this. Totally bottom out. It's social suicide. It's utter madness. And it happens instantaneously. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, because they were good at muttering. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Jesus, what have you done? You've stuffed all of your social ranking in one foul swoop. Years ago, when I lived in country Victoria, I was driving from Seymour to Shepparton, and on the way, there was a guy who was hitchhiking. And as I drove past or approached him and saw him, he was a man that didn't look well-to-do. He didn't look like he was dressed well or that he did life well or anything well about him. And everything, almost everything in me screamed, do not stop. And it's okay not to stop. You need to be safe. Almost everything. Apart from this tiny little whisper, And the whisper was God, and the whisper said, you should stop. And I knew why I should stop, because if I was walking down the road and Jesus was driving past me, he would stop every single time. I've got to stop. And so I I pull over, and I'm like, I've got a spare seat next to me. I've got this seat. And he jumps in the seat, and we get talking, and he needed to go somewhere, which was a little bit out of my way. But I figured Jesus goes out of his way for me all the time. It's the very least I could do. And so I, so I took him to where, I was t- uh, where he needed to go, dropped him off, and then made it to my meeting. And I went in my meeting, and I was a little bit late. And they asked, why are you late? Pretty standard. And so I told them the story. I was pretty excited about the story. And they looked at me with this sense of, like, pity, disappointment. Concern, suspicion, disdain, like I'd done something terribly wrong. When you offer your saved seat to a stranger, people will think you are mad and take it as the greatest compliment you could possibly take it because they thought Jesus was mad too. And they'll look at you and go, (laughs) and you'll be like, yes, I'm where Jesus was. I'm living the life that Jesus lived. So who is your seat saved for? Who is that seat 
save for the Bible is filled with experiences and stories of people realizing that God saved a seat for them and so they offer a seat to somebody else. Abraham in the Old Testament, he sets up camp and these three total strangers wander into the campsite and he should be really suspicious and turn them away and instead he bends over backwards in Genesis 18 to offer them hospitality. A little while later when God is speaking through Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, he instructs the people to tithe. Give up 10% because you need to give that to people that are poor, that are fatherless, that are derelict, and who are strangers. The Levitical law commanded this, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. Gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave the corners, leave the edges for the poor and the foreigner, the stranger amongst you. I am the Lord, your God. When God says that, he's like, I mean this. I really mean it. In Isaiah 58, it talks about believers and, and God followers fasting and the, the amount of money and food that they save by fasting, giving that to the poor and the widows. And then Jesus came. It says in Matthew 11, Jesus came eating and drinking. He was a friend of sinners and tax collectors. I love that. He lived these Old Testament stories. He just embodied it. He shows us what our lives can look like if we take seriously the hospitality of God. Because the hospitality of God, it transforms people's lives. The hospitality of God transforms people's lives lives. Jesus had put all of his social capital on the line for an extended invite to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stood up and he said, look, Lord, here and now I, I, give, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Stunning. Zacchaeus and Jesus have known each other for a total of two and a half minutes. Whew. But Jesus has a vision for hospitality. He has a vision for how things should be and that everybody is invited to sit at God's table. Which is the invite that we offer when we offer people our spare seat. We're saying, come and sit at God's table with me. Because I get to sit at God's table every day and get the goodness of God. Come, come join me. And eating and drinking and hospitality, that is how that takes place. So what happens after Zacchaeus makes this grand announcement of what he's going to do? Well, Jesus said to him, he says it to him, doesn't need everybody else to hear it. He says it to him, he says, today... Salvation has come to your house. You see, salvation and hospitality, they go hand in hand. Can you think of a time when you felt unwelcome somewhere? Just think about that just for a moment. When you felt unwelcome. Let me share a story. Four days a week, about the same time, I ventured down to the same coffee shop in Burley. It's been going on for about four months now. And it sells the best coffee in Burley. And I've done a lot of research to ascertain that fact. And when I go there, I order the same thing every day. It's, it's not complicated, a skinny cat. It's just how it is. And they always ask me my name. And I always tell them the same name. 
even though I've been tempted to mix that up a little bit. And then I sit in the same seat every single time. And every day, the same team, it's sometimes a different collection of people, but it's the same team who are serving coffee. But not once have I ever been recognized, except when I was writing this sermon, go figure. And even then it was, oh, you sit over there, don't you? It was, that, was, that, was, that was it. I'm not going back to the coffee shop. I will. Let's talk afterwards, please. I hope this isn't yours. No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Absolutely, it wouldn't be. <laughs> I love that. I love that hospitality. Of that sense of, and you would be remembering people's names because you want them to feel valued, right? You want them to have a special experience. So that coffee shop has lost me as a loyal customer. And others that I might tell, and I'd never mention the name here because I don't think that's healthy, but in conversation with others, I would say, I've had this experience at that place. But if hospitality and salvation go hand in hand, do you see the gravity of responsibility that we have? Like, let's forget about a coffee shop and coffee profits. We are stewards of the kingdom of God. And it's on us, God says, I have saved you that you will bring others to my saving grace. I've welcomed you to my table that you may welcome others. And the gravity and the weight of this really matters, that we extend welcome and hospitality and love and friendship to the stranger, to the poor, to the homeless, to somebody who we, we might not ever otherwise connect with, but we go out of our ways to say, come and belong to my life like your family, because I'm part of God's family. And if we eat and drink together, you're part of my family and, and God's family. And so God will bring people to our Sunday service. It's already happening. So the responsibility is on each one of us. Well, how are we going to ensure that they feel at home and loved and valued to the degree that they want to feel part of this place? Because we're not just talking about coffee shops. We're talking about people's future state of salvation. Because hospitality and salvation, they go hand in hand. One of the significant advantages of a 10 o'clock service is when we finish and we have morning tea, what's the time for then? Lunch, lunch. We can roll straight into lunch. I want to I offer a challenge, and maybe it's a couple of stage challenges, but the challenge would be that when you meet someone on a Sunday morning that you don't know, you'd invite them to lunch. And, and here's the beauty of this. We've, we're two churches that have been brought to one. So I know right now that not, I'm like the only person and even I do not know everybody in the room. There are strangers to you. There might be people that have been part of this church for 100 years, but they are strangers to you. What a beautiful opportunity for us to take seriously what Jesus says and go, oh, I'm going to walk across the room. I'm going to start a conversation. I'm going to move into people's lives. I'm going to introduce myself and just see how they are and see what comes of that. Now, if, you're, if you are new this morning, you've been coming like a few weeks and you're like, this is all, you can just sit back and see if this sermon works. You just chill out and we'll see if what I've said actually works. But what I want to encourage us, we, we are the body and the hands and the voice of Christ and the hospitality of God to reach out to people and say, come and belong to this church. Come and belong to my life. We have lunch straight after this. Wouldn't it be amazing if you went up to somebody on a Sunday morning and said, 
hi, my name's whatever, and I'm um, so glad you're here. Look, me and some friends are going out for lunch. Would you like to come? And they said, oh, I've already been invited five times. Like it's, somebody's invited me to a picnic, a couple of people to their home, someone to a cafe, another person to a restaurant. Like, I'd love to, but I need to put it in the calendar. Like, how good would that be? The responsibility is on each of us as individuals. And the cost is that we don't go straight to our friends. We, we move toward those faces that we go, I've not had a conversation. I might have seen you around for months and not had a conversation. Or I might be meeting you for the very first time. When we get that right in here, which is the safest environment to get it right, God will equip us to get it right outside of this environment. I don't know where I am in my notes. No idea at all. We'll try there. You see, Jesus, when he looks at Zacchaeus, he sees something different. He doesn't see all the things everybody else sees. He sees someone as valuable and loved by God, which is the heart we need to take on, to see people and go, they are loved by God, and it doesn't matter how scared I am or how uncomfortable I am or how inconvenient it is. They're loved by God and God has put me here to love them. Are you saving your seat for the same people that Jesus is saving his seat for? Because you know who Jesus saved that seat for? It's for you. It's for each of you. Jesus has saved a seat at God's table for each of you. See, the first seat he ever saved was for Adam. And then it was for Eve, so Adam would have some company at the table. And the list goes on from kings to beggars, from rulers to servants, from the proper to prostitutes, to helpers and haters, to saints and to sinners, and to you and I. And God says, join me at my table. You are welcome here. And when we offer a show of hospitality to somebody else, we're saying, through me, you are welcome at God's table. Come eat and drink, and we will see what the Spirit of God does in this space. But I wonder if some of you this morning just need to hear that you are welcome at God's table. God has a special seat for you that has your name on it. You won't find your name on a seat in church, by the way, but you will at God's table. The sense of, of God saying, oh, I've given everything that we might dine and do life together. Pull up a seat and let's get to know each other. Our hospitality comes out of the hospitality of God. And perhaps this morning, some of you just need to know the hospitality of God to be empowered to offer his hospitality to others. So let's pray. Lord, we each have vacant seats in our lives. Seats that if we're honest, we don't always rush toward the inconvenience of it or the cost of it but we want to live with your heart. We want to offer your hospitality. We want to, want to welcome people into our lives so they're welcome into your lives. And Lord, I just pray for each person this morning that's not experienced your hospitality, that does not know of your kindness and your warmth. Lord, by your spirit right now, show them. Break open their heart with the grace that caused you to, to hang on a cross and to take away the sin of the world. Soften their heart with your tender questions and your kindness and your gentleness. 
Lord, that even though they may say, I am not worthy, may you reassure them in their spirits that they are more than worthy. And Lord, for the rest of us, empower us with such a vision of your hospitality that right now we may remember and experience the hospitality we have had from you, that we might offer it to the foreigner, to the sick, to the widow, to the poor, to the stranger. Because, Lord, this world is such a need of your hospitality. You have chosen through us to offer it. And so we pray this week you would do a powerful work in us. We ask this in your name. Amen.